0: just leave it to the Holy Spirit to um, give me whatever he wants me to say. And so actually over the last uh, month and a half or so in our own family worship, I've been reading through uh, various epistles and maybe it's just what was the Lord wanting to work in our family and with me just kept noticing all the instruction about how we speak to one another. And um, so as we we read through, and then when Thanksgiving was was coming, um, I started, I wanted to share some some passages on giving thanks, and I noticed um, Ephesians 5, 4, which says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather a giving of thanks, and I thought, what a perfect passage for gathering for Thanksgiving and for the holidays as you gather, because if, you know, maybe not all of your family is completely like-minded with you, you know, and you get together with various people and the conversation can tend to go in the wrong direction. And I thought, you know, what a great passage as we gather with family during this time to remember to be purposeful about redirecting that conversation. And what does that verse say, but replace it with thanks and thankfulness instead. And I thought, man, I need to, I need to really focus on that during this holiday season as we're gathering, and not just on Thanksgiving, but throughout the holidays, the giving of thanks. And so um, as I just kept pondering this and thinking about it, I, uh, I pulled a bunch of scripture together and uh, went through this actually with my own family, um, but then uh, I thought this would be a, just a great exhortation for all of us as we're gearing up for Christmas to just refocus on what does scripture have to say about how we speak to one another and so I called it the theology of the tongue. It's really just a word study on um, on what Bible says about about speaking, talking, how we how we talk. and so if you would uh, turn to James chapter three. James chapter three, just to begin, uh, the first. 12 verses or so, it says, My brother, my brethren, be not many masters, like we said teachers, um, which I think often about this verse, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whatsoever the governor uh, listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire, on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of bird and of serpents and of thing in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and wherewith we curse men, which are made in the similitude of God, or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? either a vine, figs, so can no fountain, both yield salt and water and fresh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I just ask you to um, encourage us, convict us, and bless us this morning as we seek to, to know how you would have us speak. And well, We love you, we ask your blessing on this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so James lays out this yeah, already turned for me. James lays out this, uh, this, these two paths that we can have with our tongue—the the cursing and the blessing—and I would, I would broaden that to say that, you know, our speech can be either ugly, our speech can be beautiful, can bring beauty. And I love uh, Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs twenty-five, eleven. It says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And I think about how my wife makes beautiful things around our house and sets you know just different things about around our house to to make it beautiful and appealing well the same is with our words you know our words are we using them to bring ugliness and hurtfulness and cause problems or are we using our words to bring beauty and encouragement and blessing to others and uh, so that's this is what i'm going to be talking about is actually i'm going to go through quite a few different passages uh, not an exhaustive list, because the Bible has a whole lot to say about the tongue, um, but quite a few passages. so uh, you may want to just uh, take note if you if you can thumb through every one of them you, you can, but um, if not, you may want to just take note. Um, a few quotes I, this is a really neat reference book that I have. It is called "Or from the Puritan's Mine: The Essential Collection of Puritan Quotations uh, put, put together by got named Dale Smith. Uh, I, this has been a great, if I am ever quoting a Puritan, I'm often quoting this book because it's just a topical list of quotes from the Puritans, the Puritans who uh, took the word of God very seriously. They took personal holiness very seriously. And um, anyway, it's a, it's a neat book. So I have a number of quotes from various Puritans as, uh, as we go through. And this first one from Edward Reiner. In the 1600s, a book called Precepts for Christian Practice. He said, Um, speaking of of this passage in James, he said, are you addicted to verbosity or talkativeness to speak too much or rashly and vain and vainly take James, uh, his curb into your mind and mouth daily. If any man seem to be religious and bridles, not his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is vain. If I cannot rule my tongue, I spoil my religion. I shall not contract. I shall contract much guilt, and berate much folly. To him here, just encouraging us: Hey, if you've got a problem controlling your tongue, you need to really think about where your heart is. Right? Um, what is what religion are you truly practicing? Um, basically, so. Um. So I've kind of divided this up into a number of, of sections, and uh, the first section is um, how to speak. What do we use our tongue for? And I'm going to go through a number of passages of scripture here again. Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every person. So here we are all ought to be graceful and seasoned with salt. I mean, we need to think about how, our word, how we're using our words, and are they being a blessing? Are they, you know, when we think of salt, you're, it adds flavor to whatever you're eating. Are we adding our words grace and flavor for encouragement to one another? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Again, Don't speak corruptly, but be gracious and edified. Build one another up with your language. Um, And then another Puritan, Lewis Bailey, from Practice of Piety, his book, uh, he said, uh, keep thy speech as uh, clean from all obscenity as thou wouldst thy meat from poison, and diet that talk Oh, and, and let, I'm sorry, I had a typo here, and let thy talk be gracious, that he who hears thee may grow better by thee, and be ever more earnest when thou speakest of religion, than when thou talkest of worldly matters. If thou perceives that thou hast erred, persevere not in thine error, rejoice to find the truth, and magnify it. Study, therefore, three things especially, to understand well. To say well and to do well, well, that's a that's a powerful passage. Um, there, he's, he's saying, "Let and let thy talk be gracious, that he who hears thee may grow better by thee." So, are you are you equipping people? Are you encouraging them? Are you allowing them to grow? He says, and. Um, and I love this that he says, and be ever more earnest when thou speak of religion, and then well, when then when well, you talk about worldly matters, they're thinking about you know we can be really excited talking about sports or different things or or whatever we're interested, but when we do we even talk about religious matters or matters of the faith, and when we do, are we excited about it and I just thought that was a great encouragement. We should be excited about the things of God, right? And what he's doing and his word and how is he's working in our, in our families and what he is teaching us so much more than just worldly matters that really don't matter. Right. <laughs> um, and then he ends up that, that quote with the three important things we ought to understand. Well, so study, study to show yourself, prove really understand God's word and understand one another. So many times miscommunication, I know with my wife, if I'm, I'm not understanding her because I'm not listening to her, right? You know, and I need to stop and focus and listen to her so that I understand her better. So seek to understand well, to say well. So think before we speak. And often what we say has to do with what, how we're understanding things. And then to do well. Um, great exhortation from the Puritan Lewis Bailey there. So, um, the word talks about how to speak, what we should say, but it also talks about what we should not use our tongue for. And so quite a few passages here to look at. Colossians 3.8. But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. So a good vice list of things to remember to not, not speak. Um, and we might not all struggle with all of these things, but sometimes we might struggle with one or two of these things. And we, so we need to think about all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. Put them off. Ephesians 4, 5, I read a minute ago. Neither, filthy, uh, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. And I just actually want to read that whole a longer passage there in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 Turn over to it There's just a lot of great exhortation In this chapter Ephesians chapter 5 Verses 1 to 21 It says Be therefore followers of God As dear children And walk in love As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling favor. So, in other words, look what God has done for you. He saved you, right? So, remember this out of your love for Christ and what he's done for you. But fornication and all uncleanliness, our covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient or not appropriate, you could say. But rather the giving of thanks. For this ye you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. So be careful who you're listening to. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret." again, you see this more and more about speaking. He keeps referencing that, you know, these evil people, we don't even want to talk about, you know, it's shameful to even speak of some of the things they do. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou thou, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves, here again, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the, the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. So again, just that whole passage, a lot about speaking and how we shouldn't speak and then how we shouldn't speak. You know, speaking of singing and, and being a blessing. Um, 1 Samuel 2.3, it says, talk no more exceedingly proudly let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is good, is a is a God, I'm sorry, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Um, when we are arrogant, when we're thinking too much of ourselves, we tend to boast a lot. And here he is encouraging us to not speak proudly, not speak arrogantly. Um, because God weighs. You know what? God looks at the heart and he knows where we're coming from, and if we're speaking from an arrogant heart or not. Proverbs 4.24, put away from thee a froward mouth, right, that's froward being crooked or deceitful speech, and perverse lips put far from thee. Put these things away, he says. Proverbs 5.3, for the lips of a strange, that is uh, forbidden or adulterous, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Um, You see women whose intentions are not good. They often have very smooth words, and and unfortunately, it is a burden to me. If I'm ever in Walmart, and oftentimes you'll see a a pack of girls, (laughs) young ladies, and they're loud and like seeking attention, and that really, that burdens me, and I'm thinking, you don't know the path you're taking yourself down by being obnoxious, and and speaking so loudly and arrogantly and boastfully, and so I try to encourage my my daughters, you know, to have that quiet spirit and to think, think before we speak, and to not be trying to get attention by what we say. Proverbs ten nineteen in the in the multitude of words. Um. In the multitudes of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. All right, children have probably put that far too often, <laughs> because when you speak too much, you tend to speak without thinking, right? If you just tend to roll, ramble on a lot. So we need to think before we speak. We've probably all heard that. I think I had teachers when I was a young man remind me to think before I speak um, and to not speak too much. So we're, put, we're to put away foolish talking, we're to put away arrogant talk, and we're to not talk too much. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 16-18 But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word shall eat as thus a canker. Um, eat up like a, a sore, like a wound, of whom is uh, Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So that can be translated avoid, ir- irreverent babble, you know, just this spewing of words that don't have meaning, And and even in the church, we need to be careful that uh, we should listen carefully to what people are saying. I, you know, I've dealt with people in the past that just will go on and on, and you're like, "Are they? What are they saying?" You know, and you get down to it, they're really causing division. We need to be careful about who we listen to. Avoid these uh, things because it can lead to um, great problems. Here and says, eat, eat, "Eateth up like a like a canker, like a big sore," um, or it, that could be even said, "Spreads like gangrene." You know, I've seen churches get uh, torn apart because somebody comes in and they've got these crazy ideas and start spewing a lot of stuff. And then it starts causing division and it eats up like, like gangrene. So be careful. Be careful who you listen to. It's upside down. Um, let's see. Um. And on this, this particular topic, one thing I noticed is the comparison between being loud and quiet, and how loudness is often associated with sinfulness, or quietness is often associated with um, being controlled by the Spirit. Proverbs 29:11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. This is actually a really neat. Uh, study on a particular word, a fool uttereth all his mind. Um, that word mind is actually the same word as spirit. And this actually was really cool when I think about Aaron's lesson last week. You remember he was talking about the Holy Spirit and different symbols for the Holy Spirit, and one of them is uh, is wind or breath. Um, and he mentioned that the, both the Hebrew word and the Greek word for spirit can mean that Breath or air or wind, um, well, that word for mind is actually the same word. I should have put it up there. A fool uttereth all his mind, is the same word as as spirit. And um, just a a quick side note: Um, I actually thought Aaron might bring this up last week, but I'm glad he didn't because I wanted to talk about it. When you look at um, at uh, it's 2 Timothy 3.16, which says the word of God is given by, by the inspiration, right? And, um, that, the actual word, and you probably studied this before, the actual word there that is translated in the King James by the inspiration is theopneustos. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it literally means God's breath, breathed out by God. But the word is breathed, breathed out. And Theo, meaning God, and then uh, nousis we get pneumatics, like air, air-driven tools, or pneumonia comes from, um, it's that same word we get from the Greek, is, is the English word pneumatics. So it's, it's talking about the, the word of God comes from the very breath of God. It's like he's, he, as we speak, and the air comes out of our mouth. This is a reminder that is truly from God. His word is truly from God. And uh, what's so neat is that goes hand in hand with Second Peter 1, verse 21, where he says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that literally can be translated, because the, the word Holy Ghost there, the ghost is spirit, um, carried by the wind. And so you get this, unfortunately, the English language is really a crude language. It's it's a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different languages all thrown together. And sometimes we we can miss some of the beauty of the original language. And Peter, in the original Greek, it's it's you get this word picture of them being carried like like a leaf on the wind. By, and it, it literally could be carried by the wind, except he puts the word holy in there, so it's holy holy wind, so we know it's the Holy Spirit carrying them along. And um, what's so wonderful about the word of God as compared to like the Quran, the, the Muslims teach that God dictated every word. But God actually used the way he wrote his word. He used the personalities and thoughts of men. He used the characteristics he gave them to bring about his word as he carried them and so it wasn't dictated. You shall write this word. He used he used their own personalities and things to bring about. But he carried them along, guiding them to write the word of God. And I just think that's such a neat thing when you when you look at that word spirit, um, how it can be wind or breath, and how that's how we got the word of God. Is it's almost like he blew it out, and he and he carried us along. He carried these men of God, God along. By the wind. Anyway, I just think it's a really neat word study. My wife has these uh, word study journals. I don't know if you have seen, and I did all the the uh, the study on all the words. And this was one of my favorite words to study and and learn about was as the spirit. And Aaron did such a neat job uh, talking about the spirit last week and how that um, the 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 fuller meaning that we get in the word spirit there. So when he says the fool uttereth all his mind. That could be uh, some translations. You'll see that that a um, a fool uh, uh, venteth his spirit, or how does it say? You could you could say a fool gives full vent to his spirit um, is another way to put it. But a wise man holds it back. Thank you, all you young people, for coming. It's good to see your beautiful faces. Um, so we want to. Uh, we want to be careful. We want to be self-controlled, right? And and the Holy Spirit is what gives us self-control, so that we're not giving full vent to our anger, our mind, our our feelings, but we're controlling how we respond when we speak to one another. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of a neat word study there on on the word that is translated as mind. Uh, James one nine in the same um, token as as Proverbs twenty nine there it says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Uh, my son and I were memorizing that verse a while back because it's, it's so important that we are quick to hear, right? Um, we, what does it say? We have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. Um, so, James, be, be slow to speak, but quick to hear, and slow to get angry. Um, So be careful about about that. Uh, Matthew Henry, he said, good words cost nothing but a little self-denial, yet they purchase great things. Gentleness will do what violence will not do. And we see that in Proverbs 15, when it says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous or harsh words stir up anger. Matthew Henry, full of great wisdom there. Proverbs seven verses ten and eleven and behold there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle and subtle heart. Um I think I might have made a, a mistake. Um I'm not sure where, but the the verse I was actually looking at talks about her being loud again, uh, like we talked about earlier. Um, Proverbs 9.13, a foolish woman is clamorous or loud, as actually could be translated. She is simple. Oh, I see. I I put my note on the wrong verse. She is simple um, and knoweth nothing. Um, And again, that means, you know... Being loud is a, a sign of um, not being smart, actually. <laughs> um, so we should uh, not be loud. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, whose adorning let it not be that of outward adorning our plating of hair and of wearing gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. So here you see comparing the loud, and he's speaking of women in both these, the loud women not being of God, whereas having that quiet spirit, and that's really an internal thing. It's He's speaking of there that internally is uh, being still and knowing that he is God, right? And, but that overflows in, in how we speak. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 10 and 12, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So again, that verse is to all of us about quietness of spirit. Um, is often our, our, our words are often a reflection of having a quiet spirit internally, right? Um, if we are living in turmoil within our spirit, we're often spewing that out in our words. So we need to have peace with God and be seeking him to have peace internally. Second um, Peter 2, verses 17 to 19. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words, I love <laughs> great swelling words. That just means loud mouth, right? Great swelling words means being a loud mouth. It says, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. And again, um, leaders that tend to bring be very loudmouth, when you fall under their control, uh, they bring bondage. Um, so be very cautious of those who are very loudmouthed, um, especially in, in leadership. Jude 1.16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, after their mouth, here again, speaking great swelling words, or being loudmouthed, having men's persons in admiration because of an advantage. Here, the, it's talking about people can gain control, gain an advantage over you because they're loudmouth. And it can be intimidating, right? If somebody's being loudmouth, you kind of get intimidated and maybe you would just want to go along. Well, they, they do that um, in order to gain an advantage over you. Um, William Gar- Garnell, another Puritan from his book, Christian and Complete Armor, he said, least doers are great boasters. <laughs> That's pretty good. Often those that do the least end up talking a lot, right? and i i've i've seen that at work just people that like to really talk a lot often aren't really doing a whole lot but if you don't know them you you can you'll you know unfortunately with management a lot of times there are some people that love to be in front of management and talk a whole lot and they can come across as as they really know what they're talking about but then when you really get to know them they're not really doing much but they like to put on that appearance right um, so we need to be careful that we are doing more than we are speaking. Um, okay, let's see. Right, there was that the, that quotation. Um, so one interesting uh, uh, thing that, does the Bible ever talk about a time that it is okay to be loud? And it does. It, the Bible does give... Uh, Um, opportunity where it is is okay to be loud. Psalm 33, verse 3. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Um, That's actually very interesting. The word noise there in the Hebrew is the same word in Joshua in the battle of Jericho as they marched around. You remember the the seventh day they marched around seven times and then the trumpets blew and they gave a great shout that's actually the same word translated noise here. So when we, are, when we are singing to the Lord, when we're making music to the Lord, it's okay to be loud and to, to proclaim his praises loudly, which is kind of neat. That does not mean obnoxiously, <laughs> but, but we can shout. Um, we can, as as the, the great hymn, the Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, we can go proclaim the greatness of God and what he has done. It's okay to be loud in that aspect. Um, Hebrews five verses seven. Who in the days of the fl- of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying or it could be loud cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard, that uh, he feared that he feared. Yeah. So here we see sometimes when we are in great anguish. It is okay to cry out to God and to say, "Jesus, help me." I remember as a, as a child, this always uh, stood out to me about my dad. My dad was, wouldn't say was the greatest Christian. He took us to church, and then he would often complain about how terrible the preacher was. But uh, I remember as he got older, and he kind of he kind of mellowed some. But uh, I remember one summer we had uh, we were having a terrible drought. We'd not had any rain, and we lived we farmed and and stuff. And so it was not good when you weren't having a lot of rain. And finally, after this long drought, we had some rain and a big thunderstorm. And I just remember watching my dad walk out the back door and shout up in the sky. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I just, that just so struck me. I was like, you know what? Um, My dad, he does get it. You know, he knows that everything is is a gift from the Lord and I just remember how he shouted that out. And so it is okay to praise the Lord with loudness. And it is okay to, to cry out to him when we are in anguish. Now, I've seen some people say, you know, it's okay to yell at God because he can take it. Well, God does also tell us to be reverent, right? And so some of that, I kinda, that kind of bothers me. Some people say, oh, we can just yell at God and be angry with him. We need to be reverent to God as well and not shout at him uh, irreverently. But knowing that he is in control and sovereign over all things, we can cry to him with loud cries. Um, the next uh, point I wanted to make is that uh, we're watched, right? People are watching. God is watching. Um, so we should be careful with, with what we say. First Timothy 4, 11 to 13. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. There's a lot. If you notice, a lot of these exhortations here to Timothy have to do with how we, we speak, isn't it? Um, and it's how we speak in front of other people. We are to remember that that people are watching us, and they will form an opinion over us how we how we talk, right? So, um, of course, he, Pat, Timothy is a, is a young pastor here, but he's saying remember that... Um, Don't let the fact that you're a young pastor be a problem, but speak the truth here and um, be an example in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to the reading, uh, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Sometimes if we don't know what to speak, we can just read the word. (laughs) Remember to use God's word as, as an opportunity to encourage others. Um, but people are watching us, and they will form an opinion um, by the words we choose to use. Titus 2, 7-8. to 8, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, in showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Um, you know, people, there will be slanders out there that will just condemn you because they hate God and they hate anything of God, but our speech should be sound so that we can't be condemned by truth, right? So no one can condemn us because we spoke falsely, right? So, and he says, so that no one can say any evil thing of you because we have chosen our words wisely. Um, Titus three verses one to two put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates to be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one to be no brawlers but gentle showing all meekness unto all men so we're not we're not to speak evil of people we're not to slander others um, because people are watching and when we slander others that's speaking. Uh, wrongly about someone in front of somebody else. We're not to do that. Thomas Brooks, another Puritan, he says, We know metals by their tinkling and men by their talking. If <laughs> you cling metal together, you know that's metal. Well, you know the metal of a man by how he talks, right? <laughs> and lastly, um, we'll be held accountable. Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, But I say unto you, that every idle word, idle there could be lazy or thoughtless or careless, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by their words thou shalt be justified, and by their words thou shalt be condemned. Now I do want to pause and remind us that Romans 8 says, that those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? But that doesn't mean that our words are following Christ, and thank God uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because I don't perfectly follow all of this that I've been teaching, right? None of us do, and so we can be grateful, but we should remember that Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? And so it should be our goal to honor Christ with our lips, and remember this stern warning that we will be held accountable. By our words we shall be justified, and by our words we both can condemn. And for the Christian, we are justified, of course, by faith. And that confession of faith we have uh, proclaimed to Jesus. 1 Peter 3, verses 9 and 11. Not rending, rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensure it. And I put this in here because of that reminder that you shall inherit a blessing. He's promising blessing. Um, So God is watching and holding us accountable, right? That's my, my point there. And... Lastly, um, so what if we struggle? Okay, I've given all these exhortations, and I'm on my last slide, Mr. Fields. <laughs> what if we do struggle? If we struggle with some of these, with with venting our spirit, with um with with rambling too many words, with with talking bad about other people. What do, what do we do if we struggle with this? And here's a verse we, that's probably not quoted very often: Zephaniah 3:17. It says the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest, rest there, peace. He'll quiet you. Actually, it can literally mean hold your tongue. Um, He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I just thought, you know what? Turn to God, turn to God and ask him for the help in this area. And, um, and he will quiet you. He will quiet because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? I think that's my next verse. Um, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth the, that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Ask the Lord to change our heart and to give us that rest and peace that our words are flowing out of, of peace. Um, And finally, last verse here, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So again, ask the Lord, to help you. Ask God to help you with whatever area we may struggle with in our words um, and do it all for the glory of Christ, right? Ultimately, that's that's what we do anything for. So with that, let's uh, close and pray. Thank you all for being here. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your exhortation of your word, God, to, uh, to be careful with how we speak and to be a blessing, to use our words. Let the Help us, Lord, to have the word of Christ dwelling in us that we may exhort and encourage others with it. Lord, you are good, and we praise you, God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we pray, God, that we would live accordingly and bring glory to your name. We ask your blessings on this day. In Jesus' name, amen.